So when the pandemic happened, everything was shut down, obviously, and all of us went through a hard time. At Lourdes, one of the things that happened uh, was after schools were opened up again, uh, our school got investigated because there was an accusation against our school that we weren't following mask mandates. And so the city of Denver actually uh, came after us and we entered into a, uh, a court case. We could have just paid the fine been done with it. But we decided that we would actually fight against the, against the city. And so we went to trial with the city. Now, I don't know if you're one of those people. I have friends who love those like court shows and investigations. One of my friends, she's like, put me on the stand. I'll, I'll testify. I'm like, you're out of your mind. You weren't even there. Um, <laughs> But I'm not one of those people, and I'd never been a part of a court case. And usually, you know, if I go for jury duty, I just show up in my collar, and they're like, yeah, right, get out of here. Um, so uh, I was a little nervous for this. So we, we went down for our uh, trial, and uh, we went to the city of Denver courthouse. The building was empty, and what they did is there were four or five of us who had to go, and our lawyer was there, and they separated us, and I thought we would be there for four or five hours, and it was more like a 10-hour day. It was very long, and I was getting nervous, and I, I think I was the last one from Lourdes who had to take the stand and get up and, and give a testimony. So finally my time came, and so I'm walking into the courtroom. They had me just waiting in the hallway by myself for most of that time. And finally the time came for me to be called. And I went into the courtroom, and there's like nobody there. Right? This isn't like the O.J. Simpson trial. Right? There's, only, there's only like five of us in this courtroom. And I'm walking in, and the prosecutor is there, and he comes up to me and he says, he's like, you know, I think this whole law is dumb, and I don't even know why we're doing this. But he said, but this is my job, and I'm coming after you. And I said, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> I did not say that. We, that would have been bad. But. but it was really hard being on the stand in the court. And the prosecutor was. I mean, that's his job. And so he was forceful with me. And you feel the weight of someone coming after you and trying to get you to kind of say something wrong and catch you in your words. And I want you to think about that today. Our gospel today is a very important gospel. In all four of the gospels, the intros are massively important for understanding the entirety of the gospel. And so John's Gospel, today we hear about the witness of John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light. The word testimony and witness are essentially the same word. The, the verb form is martyreo, where we get the word martyr. 
And of course, John will give ultimate testimony to the light when he gives his life. There was a man sent from God, his name was John. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The basic thing I want to communicate to you this morning, I want to invite you into, is that in one way you could say that the essential mission of the church is one of witness. God does not call you to know everything. You don't have to. God does not call you to be successful. I would love nothing more for our whole country to be converted to Catholicism in a, not a shallow way, but in a deep, beautiful level of holiness. I would love that. But what God asks of you and I is to witness. So John's Gospel, one of the things it does, and it probably does this more than any of the other Gospels, is the beginning of John's Gospel and the end of John's Gospel profoundly mirror each other. And there's, there's way too much there for us to go into any depth with today, but I just want to highlight one thing. So the Gospel begins with John the Baptist bearing witness to the light. And the second-to-last verse of John's Gospel says this. The, the author of John's Gospel, John never tells us his name until the very end. He refers to himself as the beloved disciple. And the second-to-last verse in his Gospel, he says this. He says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness to these things. And who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And so in many ways, this gospel, the 21 chapters here, this gospel is framed as a story of witnesses. That is our commission, brothers and sisters. You and I, again, we're not asked... To be perfect, we are not asked to be professors. We are not asked to, to be uh, these incredibly gifted teachers. You and I are called to witness to the truth. In John's Gospel, and this is so cool, in John's Gospel there are seven witnesses that are called. And we always know, right, in Scripture, when the number seven's there, that's never an accident. In John's Gospel, there are seven witnesses to Jesus. And underlying the whole Gospel of John, right, right now we're in Advent, so a great way to think about this, Advent calls you and I to think about the end time. When Christ will return and he will judge the world, you and I will be judged by him and everything else and everyone else will fall under his judgment. But during the lifetime of Jesus, it was the other way around. And I would actually argue with you that right now in our time, God is on trial in this world. If we look around us and our family and friends and the people we see in our culture, 
there's a lot of accusations against God. God can't be real. There's suffering. God can't be real. Look at all the evil. Look at all these Christians who are hypocrites. Look at their teachings that are judgmental and harsh and unloving. And in many ways, God is on trial. And so in Jesus' lifetime, in the Gospel of John, Jesus calls seven witnesses. And every one of those seven witnesses gives testimony. And they can't prove it because God wants us to have faith. But witnesses call others to see something that they have not yet seen. And so these seven uh, different groups or people, they're called to testify to Jesus. And you and I know how it goes, right? The, the trial of Jesus' life goes on. And at the end of his earthly life, Jesus is found guilty. Guilty as charged. Fraud false messiah, deceiver of the people. And one of the meanings in the Gospels of the resurrection, of course not the only one, but one of the primary meanings of the resurrection is that the Father overturns that sentence and that condemnation. And he vindicates Jesus as the true Son of God and the true Messiah. But I want you to think today... What makes a good witness? What makes a good witness? I think the simple thing, is in John's Gospel, one of the words that's repeated just hundreds of times in the Gospel, and there's different forms of it, is just to see. Shortly after our, our reading today, John in the gospel will just say that we have seen his glory. And a great witness, right, one of the best things you can ever find, want from a witness is they're just confident in what they've seen. Maybe they can't explain it. But they saw something and they know it and nothing will convince them otherwise. Brothers and sisters, you are the witnesses of Jesus Christ in The job of the church is not to intellectually force people into conversion. We never strong-arm people into the faith. That doesn't work. What we have to do is we have to testify to something good and beautiful and true. And there's nothing more powerful for the furthering of the faith than, one, than when one of you has seen something beautiful and true and nothing can change your mind. When Jesus is coming to your life and you say, I can't explain everything. I don't know how to explain the Trinity. I don't know every verse of the Bible. But he changed my life. When Jesus came into my life, I was in darkness and I found the light. That is our task. So I think the best, one of the best witnesses... All throughout the gospel, people say, I saw this. I saw him do this. I, I can testify to this. The best one is Lazarus. 
Right? Lazarus doesn't have to say anything. Lazarus is just like, Right? All he has to do is walk into room and be like, like, he's not God. He's like, hi. You know? In John 12, the Jews who are against Jesus, they seek to kill Lazarus because he is the living, breathing proof that Jesus is who he says he is. Are you ready to give testimony? Could you do it? Have you prayed enough in your life that if someone asked you, why are you a Christian? The world, of course, thinks that you're a Christian because your parents were. And I hope that's not the reason you're a Christian. I hope you're a Christian because you have seen the Son of God in His glory and you came alive. Each of us has to be willing to do that. And two last things I want to encourage you to today. How do we become witnesses? There's two concrete things you can do. In John chapter 15, Jesus tells us that to be one of his official witnesses, we have to be with him from the beginning. And so the official witnesses in the Gospel of John are men and women who have spent a great deal of time with Jesus. You cannot be a witness if you haven't spent time with him. And I know Christmas is like however many days away. You don't have to buy a gift for everyone. You know that, right? I'll, I'll come off your list this year. It's okay. What if you actually spent the remaining time of Advent and you in an, an intentional way gave time and prayer to Christ? Witnesses have to spend time with Jesus. They have to know him, not in a head way, but in a heart way. We have to be that way. So that's the first thing you, that we have to do if we're going to be witnesses. The second thing you need is this. And there's probably a hundred others. Our culture, we all know it, is getting more and more hostile towards Jesus and towards anyone who follows him. And when you're hanging out, there's a Knights of Columbus pancake breakfast after Mass today, when you're eating pancakes with the person who sat behind you at Mass, and you're like, do you love Jesus? And you're like, yeah, me too. Great, let's eat our pancakes. That's great. That's really easy. What about when someone's coming after you? Can you still testify? The second thing we need if we're going to be witnesses is we need courage. I love this. St. Thomas Aquinas defines courage as the willingness to suffer for what is good. Courage is the willingness to suffer for what is good. So courage does not mean that you and I are going to be successful. It does not mean that you and I are going to see the fruits of our labor, our testimony. It doesn't mean that. Courage simply means that we have found something so good, we are willing to hurt for that good. God doesn't promise us success. That's his job, not ours. But very simply, you and I have to bear witness.
Jesus this third Sunday of Advent. Lord, may your light shine in every one of us. Jesus, may you break into our hearts and our souls and our lives. May you give us joy that we have stepped out of darkness into light. And Jesus, may, we give, may you give us courage so that we might give testimony.